I really love being a part of this place. I tell you, this is, uh, praise God. This is, uh, it's, it's so good to be uh, amongst God's family, right? Uh, and, and believers. We're continuing our series today, week three of Healthy Church. And today, Pastor Barbie's going to bring the word. Would you welcome Pastor Barbie? Now flip your signs over on the back. They're like, yay, Pastor Barbie. <laughs> oh, they forgot that side, didn't they? Mm-hmm. How are y'all doing this morning? Has God been good to you this week? He's been good to me. He's been good to me for about 56 years now. <laughs> Those first two were rough, but anyway, this, no. God is faithful. I'm so excited to get into the Word today, and I thought I'll bring this table, and I'll look like I have notes, and you guys will be so much more impressed than when I just wander around the stage aimlessly. Um, (laughs) uh, We are. We're going to talk about healthy church. We are into week three, so I guess we should start with Scripture because that will help me stay focused. So if y'all would stand one more time, and we will read this uh, particular passage out of Titus 2. Read with me. For the grace of God has appeared. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the... These then are the things you should teach. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you teach us what to teach. I thank you, Lord, that you have a word for us today, Father. I know you have a word for me. And Father, I thank you that the the way that you deliver your word, Father, penetrates even the hardest places of our heart. And so, Father, we're gonna come under your hand today and we're gonna welcome the Holy Spirit, knowing that he will translate this, Father, and give us something of value in each of our lives. Lord, we submit to your word and your will today. I pray that they forget all of my foolishness and let your truth stand and produce fruit in their lives consistent with righteousness. And the body of Christ said, amen. Amen. I like to do that because then I just kind of feel like you all are agreeing to whatever. And uh, I think that's important that we stand in agreement as we get into the word. The last couple of weeks, first, uh, Pastor Kevin shared with us vision. The Word tells us that for lack of vision, the people perish. We don't want you to perish, so we share vision with you. We want you to know what the heart of this body is, of this leadership is at this point in time, where we believe God has taken us. Because we don't want anybody to follow blindly. We want you to know, hey, does my heart connect with that? Does that bear witness in my spirit? And so Pastor Kevin shared with us what you see basically written all over the walls and in the everywhere here is that we believe that we are supposed to love big, doing our best to do that. Don't always get it right, but we're trying. That we are supposed to live truth, doing our best at that. Don't always get it right. And in hopes of creating and, and nurturing a healthy family, a healthy church. Even though I like to tell him that I put the fun in dysfunctional, he still wants 
us to be a healthy family, and we're moving toward that. And so it is our prayer and our hope that everything we do, whatever um, event we might stage, whatever song we might sing, whatever teacher may stand on this platform, may it all be that we would love the Lord with all of our hearts. Love the Lord with all of our hearts because that's the only way we're gonna be able to love big and live truth. You don't, if you don't know it, you can't live it. We're gonna encourage you to get into the word. We're gonna encourage you to base your life on the scriptures, not what we say and not what we think, but what God says about you in your life. And we believe those things will lead us toward living healthy with one another and in our own lives. And then we had Pastor Justin come last week, began to talk on Titus, began to share with us how Paul basically ditched Titus in, uh, in Crete and, uh, and he began to tell him, we want you to appoint leaders, we want you to appoint elders. And uh, Pastor Justin shared, these are the criteria. This is what we look for in elders, people who are already walking in that space and we just recognize that. We didn't put this standard in place. God put that standard in place and we try to honor that because we wanna live according to the word. So we have the overall vision of the body and then you have the vision and the call of leadership in this body. And the next chapter, when we go into Titus 2, it begins to tell us how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to walk out this thing that the Lord has given us. And um, I love that it gives us a passage of scripture at the very beginning of Titus 2. It tells us to teach those things that are sound, in doctrine. And then the very last verse says, these things, these are the things you should teach. So it would stand to reason that between the first piece of bread and the second piece of bread would be the rest of the sandwich would be those things that God is asking us to teach. And he isn't telling Titus, you go and teach all of these people these things. He's telling us how to live with one another and how to, how to share and walk this out one of the first things that he tells us, I love that he always speaks to weaknesses, to strengthen them. God has a way of doing that because he sees us and he knows us and uh, he can speak right to the heart of the matter. And the very first person that he addresses or the very first thing he tells Titus, he says, teach the older men to be temperate, to be self-controlled. He goes on to talk about it and, and when you break it down, he's... <laughs> I have, a, have a, a tendency to paraphrase a lot when you, when you read the scriptures over a few times and like, oh, I see what you're doing here, Lord, because he's going, be temperate, live with, you know, live with some self-control. Then the, the scripture comes to mind, you know, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. And talking about living on an even balanced keel, because I know from me, I'm not an older man, but I am an older woman. And I understand that there, there is a point in time in your life when you're young, you think you know it all. When you're older, you're pretty sure you do, <laughs> you know? And so we have a tendency to want to teach you guys everything. We want to let you know sometimes. Um, and the Lord is telling us, you know, just, just walk with some self-control. I mean, I think about, this is, I'm gonna get to the women, don't worry about it. But I'm thinking about everything that he lists in here to teach the older men. It kind of reminds me of the movie Grumpy Old Men. <laughs> because 
because see, the Lord knows we can reach a point in our lives where we really don't care what you think we're gonna tell you what we think about it. You know, some of us, it takes a long time to get there. We have to temper that because you know what? You guys have things to teach us. You have so much to teach us. And so the Lord's going, older men, be balanced. Be balanced, walk soberly. And he says, live lives that are worthy of respect. Sometimes people wanna go, oh, they're gonna respect me. Maybe we should earn that respect. You know, if we're submitted to the Lord, we're gonna walk in respect to our elders, period, period, and we should. But sometimes we don't need to tell people to respect us, we need to walk it out and that God bring that in the way that God does. Then he says, I love this part. He says, and uh, teach the older women not to gossip and slander and drink too much wine. (laughs) Well, what else are we gonna do on a girl's night? (laughs) I guess we're about back to the charcuterie trays. But he tells us, you know what, guys? Be careful, women. Be careful when you get together what you're talking about. Be careful. We all have our opinions, but not everybody needs to know them. And the more wine you drink, the more apt you are to share those opinions. (laughs) So scripture says, stop that. (laughs) That's the amplified version. Um, Stop doing that. Why? Why? It's fun. No, it's not. And you're teaching somebody to do something wrong because somebody is watching you. Somebody is trying to follow in your footsteps. Can I tell you something? I absolutely love Alice Bagwell Tabor. She has been an example to me decades decades. She is a godly woman, a godly woman. And I have had the honor and privilege of walking behind her. And I can tell you, I have never, not one time in decades, heard her say anything bad about anybody. (laughs) And I was watching, I was trying to find, you know, her life, and can I tell you something? One of the most impactful times in my life was a a season when I was in my mid-20s, early 20s. The Lord gave me the privilege and the honor of worming my way into the senior ladies group at at our church. They were the best, and there was probably 30 to 40 years between me and the youngest person in that group. They didn't just allow me to be there. They welcomed me, and they nurtured me, and they taught me. These were the godliest women. They just, they just lived, as Justin said last week, you know, our behavior tells us, tells people what we believe. They believed in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They believed in the sound structure of Scripture. And as I would sit in that room, I, I, I learned that we had a little area off, um, away from the church, and it was called the Extension. And we would go and we would have our Bible studies, and I would just sit and listen. I would listen to how they talked to each other. I would listen to how they talked about the Lord. Uh, when they prayed, they meant it. And 
I'm telling you the truth. I was afraid to get too close to them because I was afraid that they had a gift of discernment. <laughs> and I thought, if I get really close to these women, they are going to read my mail. And at that point in time in my life, I didn't really want them to. But oh, what an honor and a privilege to spend some time in their presence. For, and it wasn't something I could get on a Sunday morning. It was time upon time upon time. It was scripture upon scripture. It was them letting me into their lives, letting me see how to walk this out. They taught me how to believe for my husband who wasn't exactly serving the Lord at that period of time. It was in that meeting that they taught me how to pray and to trust and to seek the Lord on those things. It was in my time with the older women that the Lord gave me the first vision I ever had. And it was his salvation. Or it was the way that the Lord would draw him. Can I tell you something? If you will sit and if you will glean from those who have gone before you, God will give you treasure. He will give you treasure. So often, as I used to be in the younger generation, and I couldn't wait for the older to get out of my way because I had revelation. <laughs> no, I didn't. I had arrogance. And, but I wanted to learn. And once I learned to uh, submit and come under and trust and listen and watch their lives, the Lord changed my life. Rena Montgomery was another one of those women. She was another one of those women. I just remember I was getting ready to teach at my first women's ministry thing, and, and Rena was over women's ministries at that time, and she walked into the room, and uh, I was kind of a nervous wreck because I kind of get that way, and she walked in, and she held her hands out and began to pray a prayer that just, I mean, I was, I was blessed to be able to walk out of that room and go teach because the anointing was so thick. And she took the time to impart that. Younger women trust the older women in this body. Carol Milner is leading a group of women who want to teach, who want to love on you, who are available to you. I love that we have a younger women's ministry and an older women's ministry. But man, you all need to plan some stuff together. Same thing for the young men and the older men. We've got things to learn from you, Justin, that uh, the men, older men may not want to play wiffle ball, <laughs> but they may want to have a Bible study with you and have a question and answer. How did you walk through this? that God could bring those things together. Older women, this isn't about a study and a teaching. And all of these things that Paul tells us, not one time does he mention a podium or a platform. It, this is peer to peer. This is you guys. This is, there are blessings and graces in our life that God gives us that sit on the seat next to us and we're gonna get there. But the older women, by their example, are supposed to teach the younger women. You know, it, it's, such a, it's such a tightrope sometimes these days to go to scriptures and, you know, when the scripture begins to talk about that we are to love our husbands and take care of our families and to be subject to our husbands, a lot of people don't understand. Do you know whoever you're married to, you are subject to? Do you know that you have to consider them? Do you know that you can't just unilaterally make decisions without consulting and, and being in a relationship with each other. When it said take care of your home, they were in a period and a time where women didn't work out of the home very much. But when I read that now, I go, everything that's put under your charge, everything that he's blessed you to open the door to do, do it well, you know, honorably and well. But I can tell you this, 
I can tell you this, there has been no greater blessing in my life than to have a husband who was the head of my household. I love that it's his fault. Um, <laughs> in a good way, I love, no, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being silly now, but I love that I know he's got it. I know that he covers me. I know that I'm his priority. I know that his kids are his priority. Not every woman has that blessing. I have that blessing and he has done it well. He has done it well and I, I love that. There's a picture of marriage. When you begin to study out the scriptures, the picture of the husband being the head of the household, that's, that's right and it's appropriate. And when it talks about the woman being the helpmate, the picture literally, <laughs> hey honey, can you come up here a second? I'm glad he knew I was talking to him. <laughs> oh, I'll teach him to sit in the back. The picture that it paints of a husband being the head of the household. Come here, baby. Honey. Aww. Aww. Will you put your arm around my shoulders? Okay. It's hard when I'm tall. Um, and the picture of the helpmate is this, okay? This is the picture that is painted in the Word. Now take your arm off for just a second. If he isn't doing his job, all I am is being clingy. Go ahead. And if... I'm not doing my job, he's unsupported, and he's not gonna let me. <laughs> we offer things to one another, a covering, do it again. I like this, this is good. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> this is the picture of covenant relationship. He covers me, and I can lean in, and in that leaning in, he is supported. We're both getting what we need because I need to be covered and supported, and he needs that support as well, you know? And if one of us is out of position, it's a completely different thing. So, thanks, babe. <laughs> so when the scripture says, be subject to your husband, young women, what a wonderful thing to be able to come alongside and allow them to cover and love and shelter you. Now, all of those are wonderful things. All of those are great things. And it talks about the young men, and it talks to the young men. Every single one, it says to be self-controlled. Justin talked about that last week. There's how he was glad it was the last one in the gifts and the fruits because it's going to take a while to get there. It takes all of us a while to get there. It takes all of us, I figure, by the time, um, you know, skidding into heaven, you know, <laughs> breaks locking, and, and going, okay, I almost did it right that time, you know, because it just takes, we're human and this flesh is a battle all the time. But now when we get to this, the young men, it talks about them being uh, self-controlled. It talks about them not basically living lascivious lives or, or giving over to the desires of their flesh or what, whatever, and the older men are supposed to model that. Here's the thing, when you get to the end of all of this, we get to the passage of scripture that we just read, and it talks about his grace teaches us. I want you to listen to this. It says, for the grace of God that offers salvation to all people 
It teaches us. Grace teaches us. The people in your life who are pouring into you, they are a grace in your life. They are a grace in your life. The difference, mercy uh, withholds punishment when it's due. Grace is unmerited favor. It's something you can't earn, you don't deserve. And every time he pours grace into and over your life, it's not something you deserved or worked for. It is what it says, it's pure grace. And it's supposed to teach us. See, we have come to this place so often where we feel like grace is just supposed to cover the things that we messed up in. Grace is something that we grab hold of when we haven't quite met the mark. It's our excuse, it's our get out of jail free card, this grace that God extends over our life. But every time and everywhere that you have experienced grace in your life, I want you to know that it is intended to teach you. It is intended to teach you. And um, I don't know about you, but man, have, have I been graced in some areas. One of the first things that comes to mind was I was about um, 16 years old, had my license for two weeks. I, was, <laughs> I knew it all. And um, I was coming down this little dirt road. I hit a corner at about 50, 60 miles an hour left the road, went through a split rail fence into the edge of a pond, and that split rail came right in beside me. That was a grace moment. That grace moment taught me several things, several things. It taught me that you never drive with a poodle in your lap. It taught me that you should never try to light a cigarette while driving with a poodle in your lap (laughs) at 50 miles an hour on a road that you don't know. Now, I could have walked away from that wreck and not learned anything, but I can tell you I have never driven with a poodle in my lap since that time. (laughs) I'm sorry, Kevin. That's a lighthearted thing. That's a lighthearted thing. But the grace in my life exists in human form all the time. And I just want to briefly talk to you about three areas of grace that teach us. The very first one I want to talk to you about is really what this passage of Scripture has talked about. There is a generational grace. There is a generational grace. I tell you what, uh, I'm so grateful that Harvey and Margaret poured into Pastor Ronnie so Pastor Ronnie could pour into me and I could mess with your lives. And uh, I'm so grateful that my mom poured into me. I'm so grateful that I'm able to do what I do because of what they did. And if we don't avail ourselves of those things, Pastor Wayne, I am... I am the reason he rolls his eyes most of the time. Because I would walk toward him in all of the years that he mentored me, me, when I would start walking toward him, he'd just be like, y'all know, you've experienced it before. And uh, 
but so much grace. He would teach me over and over and over again, so much grace, that generational grace. Can I tell you something? God has given me the honor and privilege I have the best daughters and sons. I feel like God has just so blessed me. I mean, Katie and Kate and Rachel, just women of God. I, I watch their lives and I'm exhausted. Um, you forget when you get to be my age, you forget how much work it is with babies. You forget how much. And then on top of that, that having them, God has given me the bonus of Pastor Sherry spending time with her and watching her or with Jessica or with April Davis. And I watch these women, these younger women, don't, don't believe for one moment, older ladies, that you can't learn from them. They challenge me to come up higher. They remind me of the passion that you carry when you're young and you know that God's got things for you to do in your life. We can lose sight of that when we get a little bit older. Get around some younger people who have some passion and watch what God stirs up in your life. These women are strong women and, and I I love spending time with them. That generational grace, never despise it. When your dad wants to speak into your life, you might not agree with it, but stop and respectfully listen. When your mom wants to speak into your life, it might not be the way that you would want it, but listen. And if your son wants to speak to you, respectfully stop and listen. And if your daughter wants to speak to you, let them have a voice respectfully stop and listen that, you know, it's like we, we can't discount what they carry and we're not supposed to because we are supposed to have our arms around each other, caring for one another, doing this thing, walking in the grace of God and the grace of God teaches. There's this generational thing that happens. The second form of grace that I believe God has given us in our life is a congregational kind of grace. So you don't get this sitting at home by yourself. And I want you for just a second to look to your right. <laughs> Husbands are glaring at their wives. Like, <laughs> wives, look to your left. Now, for a moment, just look and see who's sitting behind you. Wake them up if they're sleeping. <laughs> and now who's sitting in front of you? What you just looked at, that's grace in your life. That is a grace in your life. The Lord reminded me of this poem. I normally do these at the end of a message, but when it comes to congregational grace, I wanna read something to you. I sat by you last Sunday I sang the songs and I knew all of the words and I smiled when it was appropriate. I forced a laugh when it was necessary. At one point, the minister encouraged us to greet one another. Yes, I thought, she'll notice me now. Surely she'll see beyond this church face. But you didn't. You shook hands with one person, one person that you knew. I sat by you last Sunday. I cried through the entire service and you couldn't see it because the tears ran down my soul and not my face. Did you know that all week I have despaired of life? Do you care that I am overwhelmed? Just one word and I would have crumbled into your arms. I sat by you last Sunday. 
Before I took my seat, I prayed and I said, God, will you please help me? And all of a sudden, there you are sitting down beside me. I knew your reputation. Oh, she's a Sunday school teacher. She's in women's ministry. You knew how to touch the heart of God and and hope rose quickly within me. Oh, thank you, God. You have heard my prayer, but you barely glanced my way. I sat by you last Sunday. I didn't want you to be God to me. I just wanted you to show me his love. I did not need you to perform a miracle just to care enough to pray for one. I didn't need you to be a perfect minister. I just needed you to be my sister. I sat by you last Sunday. Do you know that I am bound by drugs? Can you see beyond the dress and the makeup? And can, can you guess that Satan torments me with my past to the point that I literally cannot breathe? Do you know that I'm bulimic? What do you see when you look at me? And have you ever really looked? You see, I sat by you last Sunday and I left feeling worse than when I entered. I know you're not my God and I did not look to you for healing. You are my sister. I looked to you for compassion, for gentle human touch. His kindness distributed through your hands. I sat by you last Sunday Do you remember me? Would you recognize me if I sat by you again? Will you remember my words and will you seek me out? Or will you continue to look inward? Will you reach out? Will you encourage me with his word from your lips? Oh, please, look for me. I'm easy to find. I sat by you last Sunday. See, sometimes the person sitting beside us, all they need is a moment of your time. All they need is for you to make eye contact and go, hey, are you doing okay? And then stay long enough to listen. We need to be so aware, this congregational grace that he has given us, this divine privilege of speaking into each other's lives. If we just take a moment to do so, And then there's this experiential grace. Worship team, if we can find you guys, you come on out. We're not gonna do a long time. There's an experiential grace that God has given to each of us. This teaching moment, this plethora of teaching moments in our life, and they may not look like grace at the time, but if you will glean and if you will learn and if you will lean in, you will come to recognize that the hardest places you have ever walked through on the planet are steeped in grace, steeped in grace. There is so much that he teaches us. There's so much that that he is pouring into our lives. See that last part of that scripture that says that we are supposed to encourage and rebuke. Justin touched on this last week. We are supposed to encourage one another, but we're also supposed to be able to go, oh, there's a train coming, get off the track. We're supposed to be able to go, you know what? I walked that road and I know what the end of that looks like. I have been there and done that and you don't want the t-shirt. That's a grace in our life. If we can learn to accept and embrace the teaching and the correction and the encouragement of the older generation, or if we can learn to embrace the teaching and the correction of the younger generation, don't despise correction just because they're younger than you. Sometimes they see with clearer eyes. We can get so steeped in these things, 
Embrace the grace of the generations. Embrace the grace of the congregation. And then the experiential things. Can I tell you something? One of the the most heart-wrenching times in my life, you know, those moments where you think, Father, why have you let? Why have you left me? You know what, God. Despite what the words said on the screen, God never turned His face away. He's not afraid of our pain. He's not afraid of our broken places. He's just not. He will walk with us through them. You know, when my mom, about seven years ago, when my mom passed, I got a phone call on a Saturday. They said she had hurt her hand. And I thought, okay, she's going to the hospital. She's hurt her hand. Well, a week to the day from that, from not knowing she was sick, not knowing anything was wrong, in one week, she had gone home. In one week. And it was a, an excruciatingly beautiful week. It was a beautiful week. I couldn't see it at the time, but there was so much grace in seven days. So much grace. So much being able, she didn't have to linger and suffer. The day before she passed, she was standing at the side of the bed, slow dancing with my nephew. We had this most beautiful moment Her daughters, we gathered around. We thought it was time for her to pass. And my sisters, who I have not sang with since I was in my teens, you know, we all gathered around her bedside and and we began to sing some old hymns and old tunes. And we're like, yeah, she's going to pass now. Nope. But I got to sing with my sisters. It was in God's timing on an easy Saturday morning when God called her home. And I thought, God, I only had a week with her. I didn't know she was sick. I didn't know any of these things. And I had one week. And that one week turned into, I had one week. What a grace. What a beautiful grace. If we will allow it to teach us. If we will allow it to go, you know, grace walks through pain. Grace walks through tears. It doesn't always end the way we think it's going to end. But there is a lesson in grace. And the lesson is in that was we got to say goodbye. We got to let her know how much we loved her. She didn't stay and suffer and lingered. And as Pastor Ronnie said, when his mom passed, she just stepped over shut the door. One of the last things my mom said was, "Uh, do what they tell you. My girls know I'll just be in the other room. That's a grace. Painful and hard, teachable moments. And I want you to know God has graced your life. Allow him to teach through that grace. The older, the younger, the left and the right, the joyous, the painful, grace teaches. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing one more song. And actually, they're getting ready to sing a a song and it says, no doubt he won't let us down. I want you to know he won't let you down. 
and he will continue to teach. We're just gonna stand if you have a prayer need. You know what? Can I get the ladies on the back row? Can I get our senior ladies to come down to pray here? And then if I've got some senior gentlemen, if you would come. And if you will admit to being senior. <laughs> Don't make me call you out. <laughs> would you ladies line up here? And younger ladies and younger men, I want you to come and let them pray over you. Some of you... Your mama's not still here. Some of you, your daddy's not. But God has given us spiritual mothers and fathers in this house. And so if you'll stand with me. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the generational blessing, the grace that you have given us in this house. Father, now I pray for these, these women and men, Father, who have journeyed before us, Father, who have carried a torch, Father God, that makes it possible for us to stand in this place. Father, I pray health and wisdom and joy in their lives. And I, th I pray, Lord, that you continue to increase their voice, Father, in the congregation. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn to glean and to call on you and to walk in all of the graces that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing, and if you would come, you need this blessing. You need this blessing. Mm -hmm.